You'll be looking today at Matthew chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, uh, you're welcome to follow along. Starting at Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. I'll be reading from the New International Version. It reads like this. When Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. It is the word of God for the people of God. Okay, as, as y'all looked at that passage in your Bible, could you think of what might make a good title for that section? Maybe your Bible gives you a title right there. Any possible titles? Temptation of Jesus. How many people think the temptation of Jesus, that would be a good title? Anybody out there? No? Was that you, Daphne? You're raising your hand or are you just stretching? Stretching. Stretching, okay. Okay, okay. Sydney, Sydney says that would be a good title. So you got at least one agreement there, Christy. Now, somebody must have a better title. What's a better title than The Temptation of Jesus? The what? Victory in Jesus. Victory in Jesus. Okay, we'll call it that. And any other titles? The Devil Tempts Jesus. Yep, that's a good descriptive title. Any other titles? Get Behind Me, Satan. And what? What did you say, Daphne? God's Word, that's in there. And any of your Bibles happen to have what mine has? Jesus is tested in the wilderness. But I thought he was tempted, not tested. Well, which is it? Is he tempted or is he tested? Well, that's our problem, Linda, is the Greek word perosmos means both. Sometimes when you're reading perosmos or perazo, the verb, it, it, you, you, the natural translation is tempt. Other times it's test. And it's just two different ways of looking at this thing that's happening to him. Let's see how he experiences it. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit. Let's start with that word then. That's a word talking about something is happening through time. Right before this, now y'all got to remember, these chapter numbers, they weren't there when Matthew wrote it. 
That comes later. That's for our benefit. So when we say turn to chapter 4, we can all agree where we're going. Wasn't there. So right before this, Jesus is getting baptized. John the Baptist, he's out there in the wilderness and he's baptizing people. All the sinners are coming to him. They're confessing their sins. They're repenting. And then Jesus shows up. And John doesn't know what to do with Jesus because Jesus says, hey, John, I want you to baptize me. And John says, you're not the right kind of person. I can't baptize you. Because the kind of person that is being baptized by John is sinners. And John recognizes Jesus isn't a sinner. So John says, it would be better, Jesus, if you baptized me than if I baptized you. But Jesus says, John, this is what we're going to do to fulfill all righteousness. That's the, the translation we have here in Matthew. And John relents. John says, okay, that's what you want. I'll do it. I'll baptize you. And Jesus is baptized. And as he's coming out of the water, the Spirit descends on him like a dove, the Holy Spirit. And there's a voice from heaven. The voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So here's this man, Jesus, being baptized. God himself, God the Father is announcing, this is my son whom I love. I'm happy with him. He is right now in the center of my will. He is doing exactly what and exactly as I want him to do. He has not strayed to the right or to the left. He is right in line with where I want him to be. Jesus here in his baptism is casting his lot with sinners. He's beginning the road to the cross where he will take upon himself what sinners deserve, what we deserve. So here's Jesus, he's done all that. Then, starting verse four, chapter 4, verse 1, then Jesus went into the wilderness. Did you notice whose idea it was that Jesus go out into the wilderness? Devil. Is that what it says? Then Jesus was led by the devil into the wilderness. The who? The Spirit? How many of your Bibles say the Spirit? Yes, that's what it says. So, remember, here's Jesus in the center of God's will, being led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Is it possible that any of you today could be in the center of God's will? Is it possible that any of you today, you could be worshiping God, you could love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. You could be fully dedicated, fully sold out, full of the Holy Spirit. 
and yet come into a time of temptation. And yet come into a time where the devil comes up and gives you ideas of how to improve your life. I mean, that's what the devil's doing, right? We're going to see that in just a minute. Is that possible? Because I think Jesus knew that. I don't think Jesus entered this time of temptation, this time of testing, with the conviction, I'm the Son of God, I am God incarnate, I have this completely under control, and I will have no difficulties from here on out, no temptations at all. Those are for mere mortals, mere ordinary humans. I don't see Jesus thinking that way. Jesus knows that temptation is possible. He knows that it's going to be coming at him, addressed and tailored to where he is in life then and there. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. How do you like that for understatement? After fasting 40 minutes, he was hungry. After fasting four days, he's hungry. Forty days, forty nights. Y'all know what it means by fasting, don't you? Fasting means not eating. And our thought might be, oh, poor Jesus. Here's poor Jesus. The Spirit leads him out in the wilderness. And here he is wasting his body away, fasting. So that when the devil comes, when the tempter comes... He's going to be weak and worn out and just unable to stand. Because we know sometimes that we're more likely to succumb to temptation when we're tired and hungry. And maybe when we're angry. But Jesus hadn't just been not eating. Jesus hadn't just been hungry. Jesus had been using this time to spend intensely with the Father. Jesus was deeply engaged with prayer. So although from our human point of view, we we might look at Jesus here and say, oh, Jesus is weak, poor Jesus. Jesus is actually strong. Strong in the Spirit. Ready to go, ready to engage. Could we ever be there? Could we ever be at a place where we have spent such intense time with God, intense time in the Word, intense time in prayer, intense time in worship, maybe even fasting? Can we ever be in such a place that even if the world looks at us and say, you're out of touch, you're too heavenly minded to be any earthly good, you're just too weak and tired and... But yet, can we be at that place like Jesus, where because of our intense time spent with God, we're ready for whatever comes? I think so. Verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, okay, here's this tempter. You all know some other names for the tempter, right? Devil, what's another one? Satan, yeah, liar, deceiver, enemy. All this stuff. Y'all know what he looks like, right? 
So here comes the devil and he's wearing a red suit, right? And he has horns, two horns, right? And a long tail and a pitchfork. Y'all know the advantage of Satan looking like that, don't you? You recognize him. You can be a mile off. Say, oh, there's the devil. He's the enemy. Now, it doesn't say in the scripture here what he looked like. But from my own experience of temptation, the devil doesn't come to me looking like the devil. The devil comes to me looking like, good idea. The devil comes to me, I just want to help. The devil comes to me, this is what everybody's doing. Or this is how we do things around here. Or this is how our culture operates. Devil doesn't look scary. Is scary, doesn't look scary. So it's through our intense time spent with God that we can begin to recognize the tempter when he comes along. And as we'll see in just a moment, learn to recognize temptations for what they are. Because let's see what he says here. If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Okay, you've been fasting 40 days. Haven't eaten anything 40 days, 40 nights. You're hungry. What do you want to do? Eat. Okay, you want to eat. Okay, can you, with your current skills, turn stones into bread? No. Now, you can, with your current skill set, go to Berkshire Brothers, right? But me, with my current skills, I cannot turn a stone into bread. How about Jesus? Could Jesus, with his skill set, say to this stone, turn into bread, and it turns into bread? I think so. And, and my guess is that maybe when, when the tempter approached him, maybe there happens to be just a rock sitting right there in the desert where they are, right there in the wilderness. And the tempter comes along, hey, hey, Jesus, I've heard something about you being the son of God. That's really exciting, Jesus. And I, I noticed you haven't eaten in a while, Jesus. Hey, Jesus, look at this rock right here. Does it look like a loaf of bread to you? It's, it looks like a loaf of bread to me. Yeah, I know it's just a rock, but it looks like a loaf of bread. But, but you're the son of God, right? And if you're the son of God, then you, you can say to that stone, be bread. And it would be bread. I mean, you, you could do that, right, Jesus? You, you have that skill set. Do y'all know where it says in the Bible, do not turn rocks into bread? Is that, anybody think that's in Genesis? Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? It's not there. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible, do not turn stones into bread. But Jesus, again, because of the time 
He'd spent with the Father this intense time of devotion, this intense time of listening to God, pouring out his heart to God. He was able to recognize this temptation for what it was. Because the devil's presenting it not as temptation, the devil's presenting it as a good idea. You're hungry. You can do something about it, Jesus. Just turn it into bread. Good idea. But it's not a God idea. Is it possible that we might get to the point in our life with God that we spend enough time with Him that we get to the point where we can learn to recognize temptation for what it is? That we can learn to differentiate good ideas from God ideas. And that we can pay attention to that. Maybe. Maybe at least some of the time. Because we have some of the same resources Jesus did, you know? Like the Holy Spirit. Did you know that Jesus promises to give the Holy Spirit to everyone who believes in Him? Not just to preachers. Not just to singers, not just to Sunday school teachers, not just to adults, not just to those who are reckoned as especially holy, but to anyone who puts their faith in Jesus, he offers the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes and lives in us. The Holy Spirit offers us those resources to recognize and stand against temptation. Resources to instead say yes to God at every point. So sometimes what we can do is we might say, Lord, help me to recognize the temptations that come my way today as temptations. Help me stand against them. Lord, even give me a desire to stand against them. We can do that. God would love it, if, love it if we did that. He invites us, his children, to do that. But Jesus has another strategy here. Verse 4, Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's written in the book of Deuteronomy. Any of y'all have any verses from Deuteronomy memorized? Man, y'all know John eleven thirty five, 35, right? Everybody knows that one. Jesus wept, right? Easy one. How about John three sixteen? Anybody remember John three sixteen? Oh yeah, that's a really easy one. And John three seventeen. You, you go know, know John three seventeen too, but Deuteronomy? How did Jesus know Deuteronomy eight three? Was it because he had his Bible with him? And he said, oh, 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 devil, I know that's a temptation. Let me, let me, let me, find, a, let me find a verse right here. And he pulled out his Bible and said, okay, it's not that one, it's not that one, it's not that one. Okay, here's Deuteronomy. Maybe it's in Deuteronomy. Oh, there it is right there in Deuteronomy. Do you think that's how Jesus did it? I don't think so. If for no other reason, then people didn't have Bibles back then. They might have scrolls in the synagogue, but Bibles weren't the kind of thing ordinary people, individuals carried around with them. 
So how did Jesus come up with that scripture? And in the subsequent temptations that we see here, how does Jesus come up with those scriptures? Now, we've already said that Jesus is the Son of God. That he's God incarnate. And one way we can explain it is to say that Jesus knew these scriptures because he's the one that inspired him in the first place. He's God. God just knows stuff, right? And that could be true. But that doesn't help us. Doesn't help me because I'm not God. I'm not the Son of God. But what what if Jesus, because our Christian faith tells us Jesus is God in the flesh, 100% God. But we also confess Jesus is 100% human. I believe that what Jesus did was he studied, I believe what Jesus did was he memorized. I believe that Jesus spent his years growing up immersing himself in the word. So that when the time came for him to need it, it was right there for the Holy Spirit filling him to use it. That's good news for me. Because I can do that. I can spend time in the word. I can study it. I can engage with it. I can memorize it. Might not be able to memorize it as well as I used to or as well as y'all can. But I can memorize it so that when I need it, when I'm put in those times of testing, those times of temptation, that when I say, help, Lord, the Spirit can say, here's the word you need. And I can bring it out and express it in my life. There's one more thing I don't see in the text, but something I see elsewhere in Scripture as we stand against temptation. And that's that we don't have to do it by ourselves. For me, one of the helpful things I have is the guys in my band meeting. We don't only confess our sins to each other each week. But sometimes when we're going through things during the week, I can call them up and say, hey guys, I'm going through this time of testing. I'm going through this time of temptation. And I'm feeling like I have to give in to it. I'm feeling like there's no way I can say no. All the force is behind me, pushing me into it. Will you pray for me? Will you help me? Or it might be the times when I notice a pattern in my life of giving in to temptation. Then what I can do when I'm in my band meeting and say, hey guys, I've got this pattern of giving in to temptation in my life. I need help. Will you specifically, when we meet again, hold me accountable for that? Will you ask me, Richard, have you faced that temptation in the past week? If so... How did you stand up under it? How did you stand against it? Because we've been praying for you. Some of you may have been in a 12-step group, maybe dealing with alcohol, maybe dealing with drugs or some other form of addiction. 
One of the things that that movement has inherited from the Christian tradition is this idea of helping each other, of holding each other accountable. And I've heard stories of people that are struggling not to drink and, and all the forces in their lives are pushing them to drink. But they have a friend. They have a sponsor that they can call anytime, day or night and say, this is getting too much for me. I need help. Because this idea of having victory over temptation it's not a battle that we do by ourselves. Oh, sure, we have individual roles in it. But what would happen if we stood together? What would happen if, if instead of when we see a brother or sister fall into temptation, whatever it might be, whether it's something that's socially acceptable, something our society encourages, or something that everybody knows is bad, what would happen when we see that happen? If we didn't just gossip about it, But we came alongside and helped him up and said, can I be there for you next time? How can I help you stand against this? When we see a brother or sister who is weak, instead of laughing at them for their weakness, can we join arms with them and say, let's be strong together? The devil wins if he takes out one of us. The devil wins even more if he takes out all of us. I don't want to see that happen. I'm praying for us to individually want to stand against temptation. I'm praying for us as families, as a church, to want to stand against temptation. I'm praying for us to seek those intense times with God like Jesus had, where we seek to align ourselves totally with God and with His ways so that we'll be able to recognize temptation and so the Spirit will have a foothold in our lives to help us resist it and say no. How's that sound to y'all? Do y'all you, you want to be that kind of church? Do y'all want to be that kind of people? That kind of people that stand together? Not, not where we're standing together and saying, oh yeah, we're the church that stands against Satan. We will, but, but the church that says, we're standing with Jesus. And we're going to love each other. And we're going to encourage each other and lift each other up no matter what. So that Satan's not going to have any foothold here. And we're not going to leave each other alone to be picked off by the wolves that prowl. Could we be that kind of church? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your work in our lives. Your work in our lives to, to claim us as your own so that when temptation comes, we, we can say to the enemy, to the tempter, in whatever form he comes, that, that we belong to you. And he has no authority in our lives. But I thank you also that you offer us your Holy Spirit to live in us, to dwell in us, to empower us, to give us all the resources we need to say no to sin and yes to you. 
Lord, through your spirit, bind us together as a strong, firm, connected body that love each other so much that we support each other, encourage each other, love each other, and let your joy flow through us. Amen.